This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Underground, the place to find more than 20 templates, dozens of presentations on topics like copywriting and marketing your business, a community of successful writers who share ideas and leads, and the Copywriter Club newsletter mailed directly to your home every single month. Learn more at thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 191 as we chat with copywriter Caitlin Parker about her career path, the importance of branding and social media in growing her business, why she took 37 pages of notes at TCC in real life, and the process she uses to get crystal clear messaging for her clients. Welcome, Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited that you're here. Um, We met you at TCC in real life in San Diego. The timing of that was just wild. I don't, I don't think any of us knew that it was going to turn into, to all of this. And here we are, like barely have left our houses since then. So yeah, who knew it? Craziness. Okay, so Caitlin, let's kick this off with your story. How did you end up as a copywriter? Yeah, I feel like most copywriters, it was kind of accidental. I always loved writing and had a personal blog for years. Um, And then after college, I was an English major. And then post-college, I had an outside sales job. Um, I did that for a bit, but it was like in recruiting and I just didn't love it. So I ended up actually working for Lululemon and I was managing the social media and marketing and the community divisions of the store as we were opening quite a few different stores in the area. And I really loved it. And people would be like, oh, that caption was so clever. Or that, you know, that was so good. And I didn't even really realize at the time that what I was doing was copywriting. Um, and I later went through a, um, a master's program in strategic communications. And some of our like textbooks and stuff like that were actually like Gary Vaynerchuk's Jab, Jab, Right Hook. And Um, books like that, that all of a sudden it was like this light bulb went off where I was like, I could get paid to write and I could merge all of these multi-passionate interests of mine and, you know, work with brands. So I really just kind of started pouring myself into the discipline of copywriting. And I think the first course that I found out, found on it was actually one by, um, digital marketer. And then I later enrolled in copy school and, uh, went through a rebrand and just kind of steamrolled since then. Can we start by talking about your social media experience? Uh, Because you have social media dialed in and uh, it's something that I struggle with. And I think it's something that a lot of copywriters struggle with. Like what are some of the secrets that make social media work? And what do you have to be doing so that it's effective? Yeah, I think, um, I guess the biggest secret to social media is actually taking the time to develop and create content and then kind of plan it out. It can be so hard when you're just sitting there, you know, on a random Thursday and you're like, I need something to post (laughs) and I have nothing. So um, back at Lululemon, I would kind of organize and schedule photo shoots for our store when we would get in new product. Like I just had us buy like a, um, you know, a Canon Rebel and kind of taught ourselves how to shoot and edit. I mean, very, (laughs) very amateur. This is nothing like hobbyist photographer or anything like that. Um, And that was so helpful because we were able to immediately show the new product that we were getting in the store um, and allow 
you know, allow ourselves to generate traffic coming in because people were able to see it outside of just the stock photos on the website. Um, and then when I spent some time at a marketing agency, I managed our client social media department where we were mainly doing Facebook ads and stuff. But we, I always made sure that we had, you know, folders full of content and images. We were constantly sourcing for that. Um, and allowing ourselves to just have the material to work with and then kind of put a strategy in place. So I've tried to approach my own business that same way by um, investing in photo shoots a couple times a year. So even, I mean, this year alone, I think I've worked with maybe three photographers, um, just depending on what I was looking for at the time or what I needed. And I try to make the photos that I receive from them just really stretch, you know, like I don't receive those and then post a photo from that photo shoot every single day. I try to intermix it with um, graphics, with sharing about client work, um, with taking some of my own photos, even using the occasional stock photo. And that allows a photo shoot, which can otherwise get really expensive to last a really long time and makes me feel like I can spend a little bit more time having fun with the copy instead of stressing about what the heck I'm going to put up on my feed. I'd love to dive into this a little bit more because I can see, uh, and I, I think myself, it would be really easy if I'm selling products because I can take photos of products, you know, or, um, you know, if I'm doing, say, personality brands or I'm connecting with designers, like there, there's some obvious things there for social media. But, you know, if I write, say, in the health and wellness space and I'm writing about vitamin supplements or, you know, I'm writing in the tech space and it's like software and it doesn't necessarily translate so well to, you know, the visual strengths, at least of Instagram and, and Pinterest, things like that. Like, what would you suggest for copywriters that are in those spaces, how that they can create a really engaging feed in social media. Yeah, that is definitely the tricky part. I feel like for copywriters, which is why so many copywriters tend to avoid it because we're so word heavy. And then when you're just only posting graphics, sometimes it can feel hard to show like the personality behind the brand a little bit. So what I'll do even with my brand messaging clients is I'll spend a, a little section of that document on their content strategy and on their content marketing. And we'll kind of break out what their content pillars are. So what are we even talking about? And how are we taking this voice that we've just developed and making sure that um, it's consistent for our audience, like they know what to expect from us. So mine, for example, I will share um, like client launches and I'll, I'll show like a screenshot of the website that I've put into a graphic using Canva. And I rely pretty heavily on templates. So for example, if a copywriter is, is going through a branding process right now, either ask your designer to help um, create a few social media templates for you that you can use, or there's tons on creative market and all over the place. But um, that way you don't have to spend a ton of time on the design side. Like I have probably, I don't know, five or six different graphics that I kind of rotate between depending on the content. Um, so I'll share like copywriting tips because those have always been really popular with my audience. And I, I try to make them um, something that they couldn't just find like from a quick Google search. Like those are ones that I'll spend a little bit more, um, a little bit more time on. So I think knowing like not just um, what the picture itself is going to be, but what is the actual like subject matter of it. So I have those graphics and then I have like wine posts to bring in like the wine theme of my brand. Um, I'll share like snapshots from my office because I work with a lot of designers and have things like interior designers for clients. So that stuff appeals to them. So I think um, it's different for every copywriter, but if you have a particular niche, like 
bring in some of those lifestyle elements that are important to your potential clients. So they see that you value that. Like I have clients constantly telling me that they were excited to work with me because they could see that I, that I also understood and I valued the same like aesthetic principles that they did. And they just, for some reason felt like that meant that their copy was going to come across even better. So I've tried to kind of structure my feed around the things that I know my audience loves seeing and how I can um, kind of weave my expertise through it. And it's really just alternating between about like four to five different content pillars. Yeah. So you mentioned you've worked with, you know, maybe three photographers even recently um, on your photos. So you always have these visuals to work with um, to complement the copy. But I do feel like there's almost just a, a mindset shift that needs to take place even to start booking maybe three photographers in a year and investing in in the visual side of our businesses as copywriters. So was that what would you recommend to a copywriter who's struggling even to understand the value of booking multiple photographers and how that actually will provide the ROI? Is it seems like it probably came more naturally to you because of your experience at Lululemon and starting from a product uh, space, but for copywriters, they struggle with this. Yeah. And it's funny too, because as much as I, I do it because I've seen the ROI on it, I've seen the value of it. Like it kind of makes me like cringe in a way. Like I don't enjoy <laughs> necessarily like, um, everything leading up to the shoot. Like it's, it feels nerve wracking for me. It's stressful. I'm like, what location, what am I going to wear? Like what props do I have to pack up? Like Am I writing out this shot list? And so that's where like finding the photographers that you really trust has been like instrumental. Um, when I first rebranded to Copy Uncorked, I hired um, a photographer duo. So one of them is a stylist, one of them is a photographer, and they like took care of the things that stressed me out, like location planning and coming up with a few um, a few other ideas. And I mean, they even like booked like a hair and makeup appointment. Like I would have never (laughs) thought to do that. But the fact that someone was doing it for me, I was just like, okay, we're just, we're going to do this. We're going to get it done. And then in the moment, it actually ends up being so much fun. And you're building a relationship um, with another business owner that, I mean, I've gotten referrals from the photographers that I've worked with. Um, And then about mid-year after my um, virtual assistant had been on with me for a while, I wanted to show kind of more of that team community element of the brand. So we did another photo shoot with a local photographer to bring her in on it as well. So it's something that I try to use um, just strategically to reflect the, the current state of my business. And in the same way as copywriters that we would want our clients to lean on us and trust our expertise... I try to lean on my photographers to help them guide me through that process, even when it may feel a little bit unnatural, um, because I know the end result is going to be worth it. Yeah, and I agree. You can find photographers who really get that process and will go above and beyond and help you with the shots and even giving suggestions for the props, but not all photographers do that. So can you talk through and even break it down as far as like planning the shoot and what, I mean, you mentioned the, the props, the different shots, the fashion, the style, all that plays into it. But can you break it down for someone who hasn't done this before and may hire a photographer who may help or may not help? Um, and even when they help, it's like, it's still not the vision of the photographer or the copywriter, our vision. So can you just break it down so we know how to think about it, how to approach it so that we can 
really nail the vision of that shoot. Yeah, let's start there. So there are tons of photographers whose style that I love, and I think that it's super cool. And I know that it wouldn't necessarily match the aesthetic and the look that I'm going for, for copy and court. So that right there, I kind of use to limit my pool down a little bit to the few photographers that have that um, lighter, brighter, kind of like professional, timeless look. Um, so I'll start with that, like look at the ones who kind of pull out like the greens or the reds and colors that fit my branding. And then from there, I'll reach out to them. And of course, ask if they enjoy <laughs> doing branding photos, if they even offer that, if they have experience with it. Sometimes you'll find wedding photographers that do that on the side, like during slower wedding seasons or whatnot. But there are, of course, photographers who are very specifically like, no, I shoot couples and couples only. So that kind of eliminates them. But once you've found one to two people whose style you like and the editing is consistent and you feel like it's a good fit for your brand, um, I'll generally start by creating a Pinterest board and generate some ideas. Um, I've tried to... I've tried to bridge the gap a little bit in terms of going beyond the like sitting in front of my laptop with a cup of coffee that we see constantly. But at the same time, like that's accurate. <laughs> I am often sitting at my laptop with a cup of coffee. Um, so bringing in things that are unique to you. And again, it's like coming back to what are your brand colors? What is your brand style? What are the parts of your personality that you want to bring out? So looking for that on Pinterest and I'll use like creative search terms, um, you know, just thinking about like, like female entrepreneur with wine or, you know, different stuff that I can get ideas. And I try to come up with um, a pretty like large amount of Pinterest images so that we not only have a good bit of inspiration, but so that I'm not like exactly replicating three or four images that I've seen. So my photographer can kind of step into the vision with me and also get excited about it. And then based on what we're seeing like trend wise in those Pinterest images, we're able to be like, okay, I think we need to find a hotel with a really big, pretty lobby. Or I think we want to be outside because we want to like bring in some of that golden light, you know, later in the afternoon or whatever, again, you're kind of seeing in the Pinterest board, coffee shop, so on and so forth. So the, the location is kind of the next big one. Um, and then outfit wise, I think I over, I overthought that for a long time. And for me, it comes back to just like white, black, grays, tans, neutrals. And I haven't even done it on purpose, but it's like those, that's the only colors <laughs> I have in brand photos of myself. Um, so that right there kind of creates consistency and allows your images to be a little bit more timeless. But by all means, if you're someone who has a more colorful brand and, um, you know, Kira, your brand photos are incredible and brighter. I think of like Sage Polaris, how she always has like sequins or, you know, something fun on that, that very much speaks to her. So I think it's figuring out what those elements are and making sure that you're specific with your photographer about that. And then, you know, this is getting <laughs> kind of long winded, but as far as the specific shot list, um, I will kind of write down where I feel like I'm seeing holes, whether it's on my website, like if I'm like, I really just don't love this hero image. So I know I need like a big horizontal shot. Um, I'll talk to photographers a lot of times about some of those like flat lay, or I call them like nondescript, like you can't really tell what it is, but they're the shots that every time we all go to write a blog post or, um, send an email and we're like, I really just want a visual to break up some of this copy, but I don't necessarily need it to be a headshot of me. So I try to have my shoots 25 to 40% of them at least be 
those types of photos that work really well on a website or, um, again, in blog posts and stuff like that. So a lot of the things that we're talking about here go way beyond social media and actually apply to developing a brand. And this is something that you've done really well, both for yourself and for your clients. Will you talk a little bit about your process for getting really crystal clear on the message for the brands that you're working on and maybe even the process you went through for your own brand? Yeah. So my brand, um, I've had my business for about three and a half years. Copy and Cork has been around for a year and I started out kind of doing all the things. And as I knew that I wanted to go into copywriting a little bit more, I tried to think about, um, having a name that had copy into it. I mean, if nothing else, but for like SEO and, and search purposes, so that that was like very clear what I offered and gave me a greater likelihood of that coming through. Um, and once the name kind of came to me and I knew that I wanted it to be more of a concept brand, I just tried to look at all of the different, um, components that would like go onto my website. So things like, um, a three-step process, um, things like how I referred to my email list. Like I always try to in writing websites for clients, for example, if they have on their website, like subscribe to my newsletter. I'm like, okay, how can we come up with something that makes this a little bit more intriguing and a little bit more fun, even if we're just like testing the waters with email marketing and you haven't even developed a lead generator yet? Like, how can we get people excited about this? Um, So whenever I'm like thinking of a brand name, I try to look at it holistically and see like, how, how much can I like spread this across the entire brand? So um, the more that I like played with copy and cork, the more that I just like was able to do that and find ways um, of really infusing it throughout my brand. So I do help clients do that um, in the brand messaging process as well. Again, everything from like their, their taglines and their um, value propositions. I'm sure we've all like gone on websites before where you see like a, a unique brand name, but you're like three pages into the website and you can't even really figure out why that's the name of the business. So it kind of gets lost in translation and it loses its power a little bit. So I do try to make like um, the brand name or if it's if it's even just somebody's like name themselves, like their first and last name, like what is kind of like that like unique element that we're pulling throughout the copy and keeping it really consistent in the branding. What are the the different brand packages that you offer? Can you just talk through some of those, at least like the signature uh, offers and the deliverables that go along with the brand work that you do? So I have um, a series on my blog called Creating a Client Experience that I wrote like probably a year or so ago and never expected it to be like my most visited blog post, but particularly the second blog post in the series is on pricing and packaging. And I've tried to keep it updated because my packages have definitely gone through different iterations. And as we all know, like testing is such a big part of copywriting and there are different like um, seasons and even just months of your business where sometimes something is working really well and then you find the need to change it. And when I started out, I kind of just had like service buckets. Like it was like, you know, website copywriting and content writing and, Um, I even had a little bit of like tech assistance that I was helping clients with. And that just started to feel really broad and was taking me away from being able to set myself up as an expert in website copy. So 
I created um, what I call the signature and it's kind of our bread and butter service as I like to call it. And that comes with uh, full brand messaging. My brand messaging style guides are usually upward of 20 something pages and really outline pretty much everything a business owner would need to articulate their business. And I love relying on these so heavily because it's where I pour in kind of um, an initial client interview uh, with the client themselves. Then I go into the research, like kind of all of the ideation happens here. And then once we've been able to iron that out and get it approved by the client, I can pretty seamlessly transition into website copy and feel confident that we're not going to have a ton of revisions because we already have aligned on everything in a pretty low pressure way. Um, And then once we've finished the website copy, the client's excited because they have this this style guide remaining that they can use um, to develop further content like social media captions and blog posts and emails and so on and so forth. So that's definitely um, my main package. And then this fall, I did introduce a day rate, which um, has been great. I I love the idea of that. And I haven't marketed it as much as I initially thought that I would because I've been pretty busy with big, like bigger package and project work. Um, but I love having that for people who do just need a little bit of a rewrite. Um, and then thirdly, I did recently introduce more of a launch package, which I'm also excited about in terms of just really growing and stretching myself more as a copywriter and being able to work with those brands that are a little bit more established and have great website copy. And they're trying to step into more passive income or set themselves up as an educator. So Right now, it's day rate, full brand messaging and website copy, and then um, the additional launch package. Can we talk just a little bit about pricing and how your pricing has changed since you first started out and to where you are now? You know, how has, uh, where did you start and how has that changed over time with, as you've introduced new packages, new services? Yeah, I started doing websites. I feel like what a lot of copywriters or freelancers probably do, which is like a few hundred dollars. And I was kind of doing these brand messaging guides, but they were a little bit shorter. So those have definitely evolved over the years as I've just um, like pulled pieces here and there and really kind of made it my own and made sure that I feel like it is comprehensive and would stand up to a brand messaging guide that they were getting anywhere else. Um, and with that, I think I've <laughs> I started realizing how much time I was putting into these and the value that the clients were getting out of it. And once my calendar started filling up and I started to feel like some of that stress, you just get to a point where you're like, I want to be able to make this a profitable and enjoyable career for myself. And I can't do that if I'm trying to do everything for all of these people. So um, I went from a few hundred dollars to then charging, I think maybe it was like 1500 or then maybe 2,500. Um, and the $2,500 price point worked great for me for a really long time. And I also kind of made the mistake at one point of just like, yeah, website copy and not fully outlining, like these are the pages that you get for that. Um, so then I kind of put a cap on five pages for clients and depending on like what they need, like if we're adding, say we have five pages and then there's also the blog and the contact page. So that would be pages six and seven. Usually the copy on those pages is pretty minimal. It's a headline, maybe a little bit of a subhead and that's kind of it. And then just really outlining like, you know, here's what's maybe going to live in the sidebar. Here's what's maybe going to live here. So 
I'll add those on to the for the client for free. And I just like to see that as something in terms of like a little bit of a surprise and delight and me doing that, that extra work so that they feel like they can have a fully like completed set of website copy and they're not working on it on their own or with their designer. And then they're, they have that moment of like, well, what are we going to put at the top of the blog page? So I've now kind of started building that in a little bit. And my current price point for website copy and brand messaging is 3,500. And it feels good. And it also feels like I could see that going up in the near future. And um, I think it, it comes back to a lot of times, like what your niche is and who your client is. And I think I shared this with you guys um, earlier on a call that we had together. But a lot of times when I'm working with newer business owners who are in that creative industry, like 3,500, which may not may seem like a ton to some copywriters that may seem like nothing to some copywriters and to some newer business owners that seems like a ton and i really see it as my responsibility to make sure that they're getting everything that they can for that um so 3500 is kind of like that starting price point but then i'm currently working with a coach who sells workshops and higher ticket offers and his website copy like needs to do more conversion centric work so his quote was a lot higher than that so I like leaving myself a little bit of that flexibility to say, here's where it starts. Here's what makes it worth my time. And then here's, you know, where we can take it from there. I want to hear even more about just what your business looks like today as far as, you know, your team. I know you have at least one team member. What does your team structure look like? And then where are you spending most of your time throughout the week? Is it focusing heavily on the marketing side of it or is it Um, on the client work or something else? How do you break that down? Yeah, I'd heard so much about hiring a VA. And so I put together a job description. I shared it on social media. And ironically, my wedding planner like shared the post. And I ended up hearing from a girl that went to the same middle school as me. And she works in marketing, but she wasn't a like freelancer or business owner or anything like that. But she wanted to learn more specifically about copywriting and copy editing. And I loved that because I saw it kind of as an opportunity to have her come in and be a little bit of a jack of all trades, like to be able to help me out with some of the admin, but also help me out with like client editing and editing my work. And so she serves as a VA, a project manager, an editor. Um, She kind of has a pretty multifaceted role and we just have like a base number of hours um, per month. And then it just kind of goes up from there depending on how much is needed And she'll like check in with me and be like, you know, Hey, I'm here at hours for the month. Um, what have you, but it's been great to have that flexibility with her and has really made a difference when I need to be spending my time focused on client work. But let's say there's new leads in my inbox, or I want to get an email out to our list the next day. It's been great being able to just like write down some bullet points and then she'll draft the email for me, I'll do extensive editing on it. She'll load it into the email marketing provider. Um, and it allows me to spend maybe 20, 30 minutes on something that would have otherwise taken a lot longer than that. And I can continue focusing on client work and how I'm you know, trying to develop and continue to move the business forward. So I would say I spend most of my time on client work at this point. And I think that comes from continuing to overstretch my calendar a little bit every month. I'm like, this is going to be the month that I have a lot more flexibility. And it it rarely happens. Um, It's not a a bad problem to have at all. But 
Yeah. So mainly client work and kind of getting deliverables off. And those deliverables are usually the, um, the Google doc for the brand messaging style guide. And then we do also pair it with a final PDF deliverable as well as the full, um, Google doc of their website copy are, those are the main deliverables essentially. And then we always kind of follow up, follow it up with a client offboarding guide. So they know like what to do with those documents and where to go from there. And are most of your projects just one-time projects or do you work with clients going, you know, on an ongoing basis? Mainly um, one-time projects, but I do have repeat clients that then later come back as their business has developed. And we have um, a very small like bit of availability for content clients, um, both of which we had done website copy for in the past. And now we help them a little bit with editing some of their blog posts, like repackaging blog posts into email newsletters. And that's an area that my project manager helps out with a lot. Um, I personally have just always been someone who enjoys more of the project work. I just feel like that's where I do some of my best work. That's where I feel most creative. I love, um, I love almost just being able to empower the client to establish that set of language. And once they have that, it's like the light bulbs go off and they are excited to then go and figure out how to do some of it on their own. Um, and you see this kind of like newfound confidence come through in them. So that's rewarding for me. Um, and then a lot of times they will later come back uh, once their business has grown and they're you know, maybe developing a new product or service and they want help um, kind of positioning it or repackaging it. So some of it is, is repeat, but the core of it is project work. And then I'm assuming that most of your clients today come from social media because your Instagram game is so strong. Is that true? Or do you have another source for clients? And how has that changed over time? You know, how did you get your first clients versus how you're doing it today? Yeah, um, I do track where everybody comes from through my CRM. And the majority of it is from Instagram and word of mouth is word of mouth is probably first. Instagram is probably second. And then somehow I do also get people direct, um, from Google. I don't necessarily know what, you know, search trail people went down, um, to find that. I, I do know, ironically, I just discovered this yesterday that I do show up on the first page for wine copywriter and I have worked with two wine brands, but I I don't necessarily position myself as a wine copywriter. I'm a copywriter with a wine themed brand. Um, but anyway, so those are those are the three main ways. And um, I think initially, my first client came from a word of mouth referral from a college friend. And then from there, I got a few from Facebook groups. So I was in just all kinds of different Facebook groups um, for like branding and design. And people would post and say, hey, I'm looking for a copywriter. And because as a copywriter, I always focused on trying to make my own website copy really strong so that people would land on my website and be like, oh, I want this person to write it for me. Like, that's just how I've always seen websites. And that's why I invested so much in mine. Because if someone is asking you to, or, or if someone is trusting you with their brand, they want to see it in action. So um, I was able to get quite a few clients like from those kind of like Facebook posts and such. And then usually um, after working with them, when it was a good experience, I would get one to two referrals from there. And then 
my Instagram has slowly grown over time. And I don't, I don't have 10,000 followers, you know, I don't have some double digit amount of followers, but because it's been a, a slow growth, I do have high engagement. And I feel like I have close relationships with the people that do come in and end up following along. So that has worked really well. And I think it's easy to get discouraged because we see so many people these days who, who do have huge followings, but I try to look at it in the sense where, I mean, honestly, I think I have like 30, 3,700 followers, like not a huge amount, but that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a, that's a lot of people. That's a big like, party. That's a big party. Yes. Like if you think about like how many people that would be in real life, like standing in front of you, raising their hands saying, you know, I'm here to listen to what you have to say. So that's what I try to like, every time I go to post, I'm like picturing those people standing in front of me and how would I want to talk to them in real life and how would I want to serve them and how would I want to make them feel valued rather than like, oh, there's not that many people here. So I'm not going to take this super seriously. Like I, I took it serious from day one. And I think that that has helped with that kind of being an engine um, of traffic and of referrals for me. Just to go back to social media, and then I'll ask my other question, but how often are you posting and showing up on Instagram? Mm-hmm. A few times a week. So, so it's, not every, it's not every day. No, it's not every day. And, I, and there's so many people who will say like, you need to be posting every single day. And since day one of doing social media, I've always subscribed to quality over quantity. And I think because I try to make things so value driven that I just, if I don't feel like I would like a post (laughs) that I'm about to throw up there, or I don't have something valuable to say, I would, I would rather like wait a day or two until I feel kind of in a better space about what I'm sharing. Um, So yeah, I, I try not to stress it. And I just make sure as long as I am being like, consistent, like consistent doesn't necessarily mean every single day. It just means like a regular cadence of, of showing up on that platform. So that that's more of the goal and the way that I approach it. Okay. So clearly you're doing a lot of things right in your business other than showing up and, and on Instagram and really doing that well. What is something else or the other thing that you've done to really up-level your business what surprised you the most? It's worked the best to move your business forward. Shortly before I left my full-time job at the marketing agency that I was at, I did go through um, Copy Hackers 10X freelancer program. And that was really helpful in terms of just making sure that I had the systems and the foundation in place and allowing me to feel confident in what I was doing, not just as a copywriter, but as a business owner, because that affects the experience that clients have just as much, especially when they're already looking to you as the expert. They already think that you know way more about copywriting than they do, but they notice when there are gaps in communication in the process or when things don't feel as fluid or as seamless as they should. Um, so I loved going through that program and then spending time making sure that I was kind of refining things along the way. And my project manager and I are, are still refining that process constantly. Like, I don't, I don't think it's ever set in stone. Um, but that was huge for me. And then tapping into in-person relationships. I mean, I still feel like I'm benefiting from having gone to, um, TCC IRL like that was just instrumental in being able to connect with other copywriters. And I went to another in-person event, I think back in August. And that was 
awesome too, because it's just, you meet people in real life and those relationships are instantly so much stronger than what could take you months (laughs) to kind of build up on social media. And those people end up being your cheerleaders who are watching you from afar and um, talking about you and, you know, inviting you to do things and coming up with collaborations together. So just the relationships, um, both with, with peers, with, other business owners and um, definitely with other designers has made a huge impact for me. So you mentioned TCC IRL, our event that uh, happened last March, right before everything kind of fell apart. Um, And we we had the pleasure of meeting you there. You did something differently from almost any other attendee while you were there. And I want to ask you about it. You took I think it was 37 pages of notes and then, you know, posted them online to share them. Why did you do that? And, you know, what were some of the takeaways that you had, you know, as you listened to each of the speakers? Well, I was sitting there, I guess, on the first day taking notes in a notebook. And I, first of all, this is so random, but I hate my handwriting. So I just never go back and look at notes that I take on paper. And Mike Kim, after his talk, he mentioned how, um, he would take notes from an event and then um, send them out. And I was like, that is a genius idea because like my audience would appreciate this. Like I will gain value from this. I can take notes and share them with my VA because that's a huge part of me in trying to constantly train her. Like I want her to be getting as much out of this position and feeling like she's growing. So once I started, it was like, I couldn't stop. (laughs) I was halfway through and I was like, well, I have to take notes for every single one. And so by the end of it, it was 37 pages and um, I packaged it up pretty much right away and just added um, a landing page to my website and checked in with you guys to make sure that you guys were comfortable with that. And um, yeah, set it up as a lead generator and and then a blog post as well that kind of um, shared more of my takeaways. But I just I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was a great way to share with other people. Um, and yeah, it was fun. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that I have it to to look back on. Yeah. And just to dig deeper into that, was there a specific takeaway that you did implement in your business that you've already seen the benefits of or a couple takeaways that you've implemented? Mm-hmm. I really liked um, a lot of the themes just about like diversifying and pivoting. Like, I feel like so much of what we talked about at TCC IRL was like what everyone else in the world was talking about a month or two later as, you know, coronavirus has continued to develop. And um, I feel like there, and Kira, your talk specifically, that was just really, really helpful and clear in breaking down like having different revenue streams. And I think I've experienced that myself a little bit where if I'm just like, cranking out brand messaging guides and websites, like it's inevitable that I'm going to reach a point where I feel kind of exhausted. So um, I had already kind of had two templates in um, a shop on my site. And soon after TCC IRL, I then developed an email welcome sequence because that's something that's kind of that natural next step. Like after somebody has website copy, then they're like, oh, but now I need now I need a nurture sequence for when people are actually subscribing to my list. And sometimes clients are willing to pay me one-on-one and invest in that right after a website copy project. And some just don't quite have the budget for it yet. So I thought that was like a great template that I could kind of immediately get up. So I launched that, um, I think right at the beginning of April. So 
after I finished my 37 pages of notes, I was working on developing that template on the plane um, and had a successful little mini launch. I didn't even really send out a ton of emails to my list um, for it, but that went well. And then I've also started developing a guided like group training program, which the two of you were super helpful in helping me think through um, post-conference as well. So I'm excited about that. I feel like I have a few of the pieces in place of just um, allowing my my signature package and my services to be that engine of my business, but also have those other things that allow me to continue to bring income in without taking away like the same amount of like um, time investment on my end. So that was a huge takeaway for me. And I think the other one was just, again, coming back to relationships and seeing how different every copywriter is and how everyone like loves doing something slightly different or working with a slightly different client. Um, so that was just really cool to hear. And just, again, reminded you to tap into that abundance mindset where there's there's room for everyone and we can all be friends in this and we can share ideas and um, people are more willing to help than you may even think that they are. So it's easy to listen to this interview, Caitlin, and feel like Caitlin's got it all together. You know, she's doing everything <laughs> yeah, so right? well. And you're doing, and you are making some great decisions and um, excelling in different areas. Can you talk about the hard stuff and where you've struggled over the past year or so as a business person, uh, maybe even as a writer? Tell us all the, the dark stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's perception is a funny thing, of course, but behind the scenes, I mean, I have the same challenges that any copywriter, or any business owner does. And it can be overwhelming and exhausting when you feel like you're being faced with all the things. And I think in proportion to me working on growing and diversifying my business, I'm being presented with the fact that then it's maintaining all of those new and additional things. So what initially feels like a great way to lessen your work becomes a way of increasing your work. So the days that I feel like, okay, I'm going to have this whole Friday to just work on what I want to work and step away. Like I'm finding myself still up against deadlines or, you know, just managing like the work and, and creating boundaries and balance in my life and, and balancing personal health, um, which you know, the, the quarantine has helped a little bit with my husband and I have gotten better about working out regularly, which is vital for me. I was an athlete in college and always used to like go for a run and then come home and feel like I could write out a whole blog post. So I know when I'm not moving that my writing suffers, my mindset suffers. So, um, trying to put structure in place in my day to day, um, and then I think the other one, which also was touched on a lot at TCC IRL is imposter so- syndrome. And I so badly <laughs> want, want to roll my eyes at that and be like, I don't struggle with that. Like, no, that's not a thing for me, but I really resonate. Um, I think it's Maya Angelou, her quote, where she talks about like, she's written all these books and each time she thinks like, oh no, they're going to find out now. Like I've run a game on everybody. And I feel that way sometimes too, you know, it's like you could have all of the, all the testimonials in the world and you could have, um, proof of your work and it's that next client that you're like, well, what if I disappoint them? Or what if another copywriter looks at my work and and they think it's garbage? Like what, what do I do then? So, um, yeah, I, I struggle with the same head junk that everybody else does. And, um, I'm constantly learning. I definitely don't have it, it all figured out, but I've, I've tried to really focus on, creating space for reflection and each month knowing that anything is game to 
either pivot or be improved or be scratched. So um, I think that's helped me not like stay too attached or too gripping of something and um, continue moving forward. So do you do anything out of the ordinary to you know, balance your time, make sure that you're managing projects so that they you know, finish on time, you're creating enough personal space for yourself? We use Trello pretty heavily for managing projects. And so I just make sure that I always know what those like dates are. And I don't, um, my calendar isn't open Monday through Friday for client calls. Like I take Fridays off of client calls. Um, I used to take Mondays off for client calls, but then I swapped that with Tuesday once I introduced um, the day rate, but I have at least two days on my calendar where I should not have any client calls. So that is like kind of that breathing space where if say on like a Wednesday, I've had three client calls, I was talking to my project manager, I had emails come in, like if I feel like I got nothing done, and I'm like, strapped against a deadline, I know that I'm going to at least have a full day or so to chip away at it and get it done. So I try to never miss deadlines. I'm obviously an an imperfect human. And um, I just lean on communication. But I think kind of setting up a system on the front end a system that we've changed multiple times has has definitely helped with making sure that we get it done as well as leaving those holes in my calendar well where I know I'll have time for myself. Okay, so I'd love to hear, you know, we've asked this question before, what does the future of copywriting look like to you? I like this question a lot and I've heard it um on the podcast before and I mean, thankfully, we'll always need language, we'll always need words to communicate, so I love that we have some form of of built-in job security with that, but I do think we'll continue um, to need to lean in to tech a little bit and and whether that's like helping clients figure out how to use things or I've tried to make like wireframing and visual elements a really big part of my process, like using different um, tools like drift chat boxes and all of these things that just help make not only the words that we're doing, but bring in some of those other elements like psychologically that we know help work. Um, or that like trip up our clients um, when they go to kind of implement their copy themselves. Um, And then I think, yeah, just being open to diversified offers. So being a copywriter who maybe also positions themselves as an educator or a coach or a speaker, or because you're always going to have some people who want to write it themselves or who have an internal department that is going to write it themselves. So it's kind of being that almost, um, I guess, thought leader in a way is, I would think would be kind of really the goal where people kind of can grow into, but I don't necessarily see copywriting changing too much. If anything, just continuing to become more and more in demand. And again, I think this quarantine has, has shown that, um, as people are having to transition their businesses, maybe they're, they're used to in-person sales meetings and sales calls. And now all of a sudden they have to be able to translate all of that into, online copy to get people to come on their webinar and attend their event and all of this stuff. So um, I think the future of copywriting is is very bright. And um, I'm excited to be a copywriter and excited to um, know a whole community of copywriters. Yeah, we're glad that you've been part of our community and uh, grateful for you taking the time to share really the nuts and bolts of your business. This has been, you know, a great, great episode and and a good look inside of how an effective copywriting business works. So, Caitlin, if somebody wants to connect with you or find you, where should they go? 
yeah, they can definitely find me on Instagram at copy uncorked um, or on the website at copy uncorked. I am also on like Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, all of those. Um, but the one that I focus on the most is Instagram um, and the website. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah. Thank you guys both so much. It's been great being on here. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.